Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cannon will continue in the book of Genesis, God's book of beginnings. Here's Tom. The heavens and the earth that's referred to here in Genesis 1-1 has an end. Don't look at your house and say, now i got to get it just perfect, just perfect, just right. Don't look at your possessions and say, I need to just buy this and then I'll be happy and then I'll be complete. Our bodies have an end. How much we're aware of that from Pastor Jim's graduation. We're only here on temporary assignment. We're just here on temporary assignment. We have a, we have, we have a green card. That <laughs> we have a green card to be here on temporary assignment. We got to get a job done. We got to go home. We got to go to the place where our citizenship is. And so, and we'll have to give an account of ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take a piece of, I don't know if he's going to do this. I, maybe he might do this. You take a piece of paper. You see, on this side of the paper, he's going to list out, this is all that I gave you here. And on this side of the paper, he's going to now what did you do with that for my glory? That's not going to be the subject of the evaluation. It's very, very important to live in the light of that. Live in the light of that. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've been struggling with this tremendous pain in my elbow. Very painful. Every imagination came to my mind. What's that? Going through the internet. What could it be? And I woke up one morning. I said, oh, it's so painful. I could hardly move. You know, can't grab anything. So I went to Grossmont Hospital. I asked my friend, Dr. Hansen, the orthopedic surgeon. He, he, his business is replacing joints. He, he replaces joints. You need an elbow. You go to him. You need a shoulder. You go to him. You need a hip. He'll, he'll replace knees. That's what he does. So I go to him and I said, uh, Pete, do I need one of your elbows? And so he says, well, I don't know. Bend your hand this way, that way. He says, no, Tom, you don't need an elbow. He says, you have tennis elbow. It's tennis elbow. I don't even have a good tennis game. And so he says, yeah, he says, you got a tennis elbow. So then I started to read about tennis elbow. It's a very interesting thing, tennis elbow, apart from the pain of it all. Because what it is, it's the muscles and the tendons that have tightened up. And you got to release them. And you know when they tighten up? When you grip something, when you grab something, it's why they call it tennis elbow, because you grab the tennis racket too hard, and, and, it, and it tightens up. And so the, the therapy is, relax the tendons, relax the muscles, relax the grip. And that's the therapy that God wants for us to have here on earth. Relax the grip. Don't tighten up. Now, first concern for us, don't get attached. It's going to end. In the beginning means it's going to end. Second concern for us in the beginning has another one. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Genesis 6, verse 3. Now here we have the first mention in Genesis. We started off in the Bible with the in the beginning. And now in Genesis 6, verse 3, we have the first mention of the end. Okay, see what it says? First of all, I'm just going to read two verses here, 6 and 13. Start with 6. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his day shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now look at verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with Hamas, with violence. That's the word for violence, Hamas. Hamas. Through them, and behold, I will, 120 years later, I will destroy them with the earth. Literally, God was saying, the end of all flesh has come right up into my face. 
That's the way it literally reads. Right into my face. It's right there. And he says, the end is coming. Because violence had covered the face of the earth. And God said, I'm going to destroy man. But it was still in the future. It was still 120 years. And so he gave Noah a job, as we'll come and see later. And the job was prepared for salvation from the destruction. Build the ark of salvation. But also, Noah, did you think Noah was just an ark builder? I think that's all he was? Noah was a preacher. It says that in 2 Peter 2.5. It says, it spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. <clears throat> he was a preacher of righteousness. Whose righteousness? He was a preacher of God's righteousness. Why? Because when you read about it in Psalm 22, the last verse there, talks about a generation shall serve him, shall serve the Lord Jesus Christ, which is subject to Psalm 22. And then it says about this generation, they shall declare his righteousness. His righteousness. This is what Noah was doing. He was declaring God's righteousness, and he was also declaring that, that not only is God righteous, but God is merciful. You see, I'm building an ark. And there's room in the ark for you, like there's room at the cross for you. There's room in the ark for you. So when Simon Peter was confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ as to whether or not he wanted to leave or he wanted to continue to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom? Not to what? To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou hast the words of eternal life. That's what's needed. The words of eternal life. That's what the world needs. The words of eternal life. He has the words of eternal life. He has given to us the words of eternal life. You know, when you say the word preach or preacher, it's not politically correct today to say something like that. Oh, it's very intolerant and you're telling people and making these declarations and he's the only way to heaven and, and it's very intolerant. God says, that's because you have a message to declare. They may not have a message, but you have a message that is to be declared. And these are the words of eternal life. It's a simple message. It's just a message that just says that in humility says, God became a man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he took on him your sins, and he died for you, and he rose on the third day. And all you do is you call on him and ask him to save you. And, he be, and you make him, you crown him the Lord of your life and your Savior. That's it. And you'll be saved. You'll have eternal life. Those are words of eternal life. Words of eternal life. So in the beginning is a signal to us or a concern for us for others. For others. Because man's days were numbered. During Noah's time, 120 years, man's days, individual people's days are numbered. God knows the number. And, and there's many numbers that God can see that we can't see, but what he has given to us, he says, you don't need to know the exact number of this person's life and this person's life or this group's life. He says, what you need to know is that the night is coming when no man can work, so therefore you must be about your father's business. You must be about your father's business. What's your father's business? 
to come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission statement. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, some of you know the story of, of, uh, of Larry Rust, and he was my neighbor in, uh, in Lakeside, and uh, he was um, the kind of guy, a retired Navy guy, kind of a little rough around the edges, but Larry was the kind of guy that you just didn't sort of warm up to and say, let's talk about God, Larry. No. So I just sort of naturally uh, gave him a wide berth, especially when it comes to God. Well, what happened was Larry got cancer, he got prostate cancer, he got sick, and his wife Charlotte says, oh, Larry's down at Balboa Hospital, the old Balboa Hospital. Oh, Balboa Hospital, he's got prostate cancer. Oh, no, I said, oh, God, I have never, I, 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 I got to go talk to him about God. And so I go down there, and I had a, I didn't have this old Bible here, I had a big black Bible then, you know. And so I carry my big black Bible, and I could go down there the basement where the cancer patients were. And I said to the nurse, is Larry here? Oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's down over there. So I walk, I, I just got into the door frame of his door, my Bible, and Larry explodes. God, no God, no Bible, get out of here, get out of here. You just made a big scene. And so I said, okay, 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 I'm going, Larry. I said, yeah, same old Larry. And I thought, well, I'll just give him a few days. He'll cool off, and then I'll go try again. So <clears throat> a few days went by, and I came back, and I came back to the hospital. I said, I said, hi, is Larry here? And she says to me, the nurse says to me, and who wants to know? I thought, this is very strange. <laughs> I was not going to say something like that. And so I said, Tom? She goes, oh, so you're Tom. I thought, what did I do? He, she says, let me tell you something, Mr. Tom. She says, Larry, Larry Russ died last night. And all through the night, he screamed at the top of his lungs in this corridor. Tom, Tom, where's Tom? Bring Tom, bring Tom. That was extremely sobering. That was a life changer for me. I tell you this story, because I've told it a lot. And one time I told the Pastor Keating, and at Emmanuel Faith, Emmanuel Faith Community Church up in Escondido. And I was sitting there, and he told us to the congregation, and I was sitting in the congregation. That's the first time I ever heard the story told to me. <laughs> I always told the story, you know. So I was sitting there listening. I said, well, this will be interesting, you know. I'll just pretend like I never heard it before. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I started crying. It was right at the end of the message. He comes down. He saw me. He knew exactly what was going on. He said, Tom, Tom, listen to me. Listen to me, Tom. You did what you could. I said, I don't think so. That should be the spirit that we have when we read something of in the beginning, knowing there's an end for the lost. We don't have forever. You know, all those people, and there were many people, that, that had the privilege of speaking to Pastor Jim, the lost souls that had the privilege of hearing the gospel from him. And I, and, and, and I remember some of them. That privilege is finished now because that servant has been removed. That servant, that servant, his green card expired. And so he's gone. And that's the way it's going to be. You know, turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 16, verse 20. Luke 16, 20. <clears throat> Here's another very, very interesting um, account. And I say that word account because it's not a story. Amen. And it's, it's um, as a matter of fact, 
I want you to look at this account and realize it's not even a parable. Remember the last one we, last one we just read was a parable. That, 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 maybe, that didn't happen. But this one doesn't say it's a parable. This is something that really happened. Luke 16, 20. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate, laid at the rich man's gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's tables. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, this happened. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. That was an event that happened. The rich man also died and was buried. That was an event. So just as sure as you could have been in that room with that rich man and he gave up his last breath, he died. That was an event. Just as sure as you could have stood by the graveside in the funeral party and watched him be buried, the third event also happened, which is recorded in verse 23. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. What's that mean? He woke up. He woke up, event three, being in torments. That's not a parable. That's a true account. Oh, that it might not be any rich man that we have the responsibility to bring the gospel to. May it never be said of us that a lost soul that God says, you are to bring the good news of salvation to that person, that that should happen to him. Or if it does, then when he lifts up his eyes, he says, he was right, she was right, it's my own fault I'm here, I resisted all the way. It's not a parable. Death, it's a sleep. Daniel 12, 2 through 3. This talks about people sleeping in the dust of the earth. And then it says, they awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to everlasting shame and contempt. And they that be wise, that's us, supposed to be us, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness, as the stars for and ever, what righteousness? His righteousness. Declare his righteousness. His righteousness, he's righteous, we're sinners. He can make you righteous. That's salvation. There's one thing you can never do in heaven. You can never do in heaven. You can't go win souls in heaven. They're either won or lost. It's finished at that point. That burning issue was so much pressing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, those words, I must be about my father's business. I have food to eat that you don't need to eat that you know not of. I, he, he set his face to go to Jerusalem like a flint. He, when he got finished, it was all the, 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 the pressure of it all. He said, I finished the work you gave me to do. When he was 12 years old, I had a work you gave me to do. I must be about my father's business. John 17, I finished the work thou gavest me to do. I must work the works of him that sent me, he said. John 9, 4. The night cometh when no man can work. So in the beginning leaves us with a concern, a deep concern, not to be like the captain of that Italian cruise ship, first off the ship, you know. Accidentally fell into the lifeboat. Not to be like that, but to be what he should have been, last one off the ship. That should be us, last one off the ship, to make sure that the lost get saved, as many as can get saved. My job, 
not to go run for my own safety. My job, get them saved, as many as possible. Tom, we saw today that God gave Adam a job. But today, many feel that they have no purpose in life. What would you say is God's purpose for the Jewish people? Well, God certainly has a very definite purpose for the Jewish people. Now, you might look at it and you say, well, maybe the purpose for the Jewish people was so that they could write all the great Broadway plays and the and the wonderful Broadway musicals or they could, uh, like West Side Story, or they could make scientific discoveries. You know, God has a higher purpose for the Jewish people. And it's described in the book of Isaiah in chapter 46, where God said, starting in verse 11, he said, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. You see how God is very, very definite. He said, I've spoken it. You can take it to the bank that I will bring it to pass. He says, I have purposed it. And then he says, I will also do it. So we're with this kind of an introduction, we are very much wanting to hear from God exactly what is it, Lord? What is it, God, that you have purposed for the Jewish people? Verse 12, he says, Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted that are far from righteousness. He says, I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Here's what he says. God's saying, now you listen to me, proud ones, stout-hearted ones, those that are self-righteous, where you, in fact, are far from righteousness. He says, here's what I have purpose to do. I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No one can stop me. I bring near my righteousness. What do the Jewish people need? What do all people of the earth need? They need God's righteousness because their own righteousness is no righteousness. But God said, I'll bring forth, bring near my righteousness, right? into my righteousness. And then he said, it's not going to be far off. If you're tempted to say, what is God's righteousness? Better to rephrase it, who is God's righteousness? Who is God's righteousness? God himself. God himself who became a man so that he could bring his righteousness near. Who is that? That's the one God who became man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, I will bring him near to you. He's my righteousness. And he will not be far off. He will not be far off. And then it says, and my salvation 
shall not tarry. You know, people have asked in the past, well, Jesus, the word Jesus is not in the Bible. It's not in the Jewish Bible. That's not true. Here's the word Jesus right here. This reads, my Jesus, my Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name for the name Jesus. Yeshua equals Jesus. So what God is saying here is, and my Yeshua, or and my Jesus shall not tarry. In other words, he's not going to delay. He's going to come. And then he says, and I will place salvation in Zion. This reads, I will place Yeshua in Zion. This reads, I will place Jesus in Zion. God said, I will place Jesus in Zion. I will put him there. So this is, here he is, here's his name right here in the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament. And my Jesus shall not tarry, and I will place Jesus in Zion, which he did. Then he says, for Israel, for the Jewish people, my glory. God calls the Jewish people my glory. There's no greater calling for the Jewish people than to be the glory of God. There's no greater purpose that God has called for the Jewish people than that they should show his glory. How did they show his glory? By being the messengers of God's Jesus. By being the the, the ones who take the knowledge of God as seen in the Lord Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. That's how they become God's glory. That's how they fulfill the purpose that God called them to, to be God's glory. That's God's purpose for the Jewish people. Show me the Jewish people who have severed themselves from God's Yeshua, from God's Jesus, and I'll show you a people who don't have a purpose, who are accomplishing great things on earth, but all the abilities that God has given to them to communicate with people. So what is the purpose? So that they can bring God's Jesus to the rest of the world. That's the reason for the gifts of communication. What have they done with them? Sold things become successful in business. And God says, you sold out too cheap. You sold out too low. You took the low job. The greater job, save the world from sin. Save them from hell. Give them heaven. Bring them my salvation, my Jesus. That's why I gave you all those abilities to persuade, to communicate, to... To, to show people, to convince people. That's why I did it. So that's why their purpose is yet to be found by the Jewish people. And they will. They will. God has been very, very clear to, to tell us in prophecy that the game's not over yet, that they, that, that they will yet be a people to connect with their God. 
The people of Joseph are still in the land of Canaan. They don't know that their brother Joseph is now the most powerful one in Egypt. They don't know that, but they will know that. They've not connected yet with their leader, but they will connect. They will become the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's gonna happen. And that's a wonderful day. But yet, individuals now among the Jewish people still have the opportunity to come out one by one from here, from there, to hear the voice of God and to realize, I understand. God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is my Messiah, and I will take him for my personal God, for my personal Messiah, even before the rest of the people. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom Canner will continue with our study from the Bible as our foundation for our friendship with God. Today's message and previous messages are available for listening or free to download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. Or you can contact us directly by phone at one 800 247 3051, and we can send you a copy of today's broadcast. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening today, and join us again tomorrow as we continue in Genesis. Genesis.